to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. We don't have to do this. And I'm like, Lord. So I'm praying and praying. And I felt the Lord and his Holy Spirit just say, he said, love her. And I'm like, excuse me, God, can you love her? I can't love her. (laughs) And I said, you know, we work for you. Whatever you want, if that's what you need, we'll we'll get that for you. We'll do that. You know, I know it's going to cost the company. I didn't tell her this, but it costs the company extra money. But that's okay. So I said, yeah. I said, we work for you, ma'am. Whatever you say, I understand. We'll, we'll do that. Thank you. And I, I still, please, I apologize for our, our mistake. We'll, we'll make it right, and we'll do what you, you want. I hang up the phone. I go to my secretary, Becky. I told her what she wants. She started yelling. She goes, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. I'll call her right now. I said, no, no, we'll do it. That's okay. We'll, we'll do it. Do you know, within the hour, I get a phone call from this lady. Listen to this. This lady calls me back in tears, this city official. She says, Joe, I want to apologize for my attitude. She says, what I, my request was totally wrong, totally uncalled for. My attitude is totally wrong. She says, my father's in the hospital, dying in one hospital. My mother's across town. She's dying in another hospital. She said, I'm really going through a difficult time. I am so sorry. I'm not getting any sleep. Will you please forgive me? And that opened a huge door for me to say, you know what, I'm a Christian, and I will be praying. What is your your parents' names? I'm going to be praying for them, and no need to apologize. I understand. I'm sorry you're going through this. And she just started weeping, and I said, let me pray for you, and just opened up a wonderful door to minister. You see, the world is starving for love. They don't know true love. They, they think love is just this sexual, you know, we made love and all this other stuff. No, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, it, is not puffed up, does not provoke. It's, it's not provoked. It thinks no evil. The love of God is so powerful. We have it. And God wants us to abound in it. Next verse, verse 14, it says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Did you notice? This is John saying we've seen and testified. John was living during the time that Jesus walked the earth, and he's saying we have testified. We know that the Father sent his Son, Jesus. And look at this, and whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. My question to everybody here, have you confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do we all believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Have you done it publicly? Have you publicly said, you know what, I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I'm born of his Holy Spirit. I know God sent his Son to die for me. The J word. Do you know this world, they, they talk of tolerance and we're to be tolerant and they, let's tolerate everyone. Let's tolerate these people because they're born this way. Let's tolerate those people because of this and let's tolerate, to, tolerate this group and let's tolerate this group. Do you notice the one group no one wants to be tolerant with? The Christians. Do you realize that? It's like, oh no, those Christians and those, you know, they're, you know, they're just so narrow and they're just saying it's Jesus is the only way and well, that's what God said. Have you confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? See, if you confess with your mouth, there's a great verse that goes with this. I want to put it up on the screen. It says, Romans, Paul the Apostle writes this. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, can we say that together? Saved. Then it goes on to say, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto, can we say the last part? Salvation. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I hope everyone in this room has confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Have you done that? And have you done it publicly? You know, there's no such thing as a, a closet Christian. I remember when I first got saved, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I went to work, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm go into my office, and my secretary's there, the, the guys are there, and, and I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I became a Christian. My life has changed. And I'm like, I, I feel like a closet Christian. I got to tell these guys. I remember the day I asked my secretary to come in. I says, can I talk to you for a minute? And, and she says, yeah. I says, yeah, sit down, you know. And so she sat down across from my desk. I, I said, you know, I want you to know something. The person that you're looking at is a different person. And she's like, do, 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 do. I said, no, I'm serious. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm not the same person. I've changed. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. He's forgiven me of my sins. I'm a new person. You know what she said? She goes, well, that's good for you. In other words, that's good for you. Don't push this on me. That's good for you. I said, I just want to tell you that. That's all. Have a good day. Just wanted you to know God loves you too. He wants to save you. Do you know I couldn't stop talking about Jesus? Why? Because he's my best friend. My sister used to talk about Jesus all the time. It used to drive me crazy. I'm like, don't you talk about anything else? She goes, yeah, I talk about all kinds of stuff. I said, yeah, you talk about all kinds of stuff, but it always ends up with Jesus. And she says, well, I can't help. Jesus is in the center of my life. He's done so much in my life. He's my best friend. And I used to think, she's a Jesus freak. Guess what? I'm a Jesus freak now. See, when you love someone so much, you, let's say you're, you know, you're, getting, you're engaged with somebody, and hopefully you love them so much, or you're married to someone, hopefully you love them so much, you talk about him wherever you go, confessing that he's Lord. There's no other name given to man that he might be saved there's only one name, and it's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save. Have you confessed him, and have you confessed him publicly? And you might say, Pastor, why would we have to do this publicly? Well, Matthew 10, 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But listen this, listen. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Confession means, that to confess means that to say the same as. It, it means to it be in agreement with. So it's not just saying, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross. No, no, no. You're saying the same as the Bible saying. You're saying that he's Lord and he's Lord of your life, and you're, you're confessing him before men. Something powerful happens when you, knew, you use the name of Jesus. Do you know that? Hopefully we all know that. You can say just about anything. I've been in conversations with people. You just talk about this, talk about that, talk about... Even politics is tough these days. It's a little tough. I'll give you that. But when you talk about Jesus Christ, it changes the whole atmosphere because there's no other name given on men that we might be saved. At the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee will bow to him. I choose to bow my knee and I choose to confess him as Lord before eternity, before I step into heaven? Have you confessed him as Lord, as Savior of your life? Have you bowed your knee to him? Is he your Lord? Someone once said either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. 
He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Is he Lord of all? Hopefully he is, and if not, he can be. He wants to be. He's knocking on the door of your heart. The Bible says if anyone opens that door, he'll come live inside of them. He'll, he'll abode with them. And he's knocking, he's knocking. He's saying, I love you, 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 I love you. Let me into your life. Let me be one with you. Let me change you. Let me wash you and cleanse you. Let me take away the sin that separates you from me. I love you with an everlasting love, a love that'll never stop. And then he says, when you receive, when you receive me into your life, just confess me. Tell others. Back in our text, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is the Lord Jesus, so are we in this world. Love has been perfected among us, that we'll have boldness in judgment. This basically just means that when we, we don't have to fear judgment. We have boldness. The word boldness is confidence. The reason why as Christians we can have confidence during the time of judgment is the, f- the fact that Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our judgment at the cross of Calvary. Jesus took our penalty. Jesus died in our place. So if we receive the free gift and we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear judgment. We, we can be confident when judgment comes. We don't have to worry about judgment. I don't fear judgment. Because Jesus took my penalty. For the believer, just I hope we all understand that. For the believer, our judgment is more, it's called like a bema seat judgment. We're going to receive rewards for the things that we've done in Christ. For, for the unbeliever, if you're here today and you're not a believer, it's called a white throne judgment. And that's, you don't want that judgment. That's when basically God will say, depart from me, I never knew you, and then you'll be cast in the lake of fire for all eternity, a place that is not meant for human beings, but was created for Satan and all his demonic realm, but that's where people go, and that's reality. But I like this word boldness, confidence. As believers, we should be the most bold and confident people in all the world, amen? Don't you love when God gives you confidence? Have you ever been there before where where God stretches you as a believer and says, I want you to do this? You're like, no, I can't do that. No, I've never even think of that. I'm afraid to do that. I can't do that. And and then God's like, no, I want you. Then you step out and do it. You're like, whoa, I like this. Because you're experiencing the confidence of God, the power from on high, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of you, empowering you to tell people about Jesus. I remember when I was first asked to, to do announcements at our church. I was a baby Christian. I was like, no. My, what, my sister, her husband, he's the pastor of a church out in Michigan, and he's, they asked, you know, can you do the announcements? And I said, no. And she goes, will you pray for it? I said, yeah, I'll pray. Lord, I don't want to do announcements. <laughs> Is there anything else? I was petrified. I remember the first time going up there, my knees were like, okay, let's, let's do this. Welcome to the Calvary Chapel. Read your bulletins. <laughs> But then the power from on high, you know, when, when you're doing what God has called you to do and it's supernatural, it's not you anymore. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the confidence and power and the boldness of God that he gives us as Christians. And they're like, wow, you know, I, I like doing these things because it's not me. And all glory goes to God because people know who you are and they're like, wait, 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 something's weird, something's different. It's not that person. There's something going on that's, that's different. Yeah, it's God. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. 
God wants us to be confident, not just at judgment day, but as he is in the world, so are we. We're, we're to be, you know, we're righteous and we're confident because we have a right standing with God. Remember, I, I've used this uh, quote before. A.W. Tozer said, a scared world needs a fearless God. Don't you love that? Do you know we have a scared world? Well, they might put the mask on and say, oh, no, you know, I'm not afraid and all this stuff. But, but deep down, they, they, they should be afraid. If you're a believer here today in Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. We don't even have to f- fear judgment because we're going to be taken out of the way. When God judges the earth, there's something called the rapture of the church. Before judgment's poured out on the, on the Christ-rejected world, the rapture happens. That means the Christians are taken up to be with the, the Lord, caught up together with him in the air. We're, we're going to be raptured like the beam-me-up Scotty, gone. But according to the word of God, once we're gone, he's going to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. And it's the Bible, as we've been looking through the, the book of Revelations, over half the world's population is going to be wiped out. That's like three to four billion people are going to be totally wiped out from the face of the earth. If you're not a believer, that's something to be kind of concerned about. Do you know, the Bible predicts in Ezekiel, we've talked about this before, but I want to remind us here today, the Bible predicts in Ezekiel, Ezekiel the prophet predicted that, that Israel would become a nation against all odds. 1948, they became a nation against all odds. It predicted that. You can go in there. You you can't understand it any other way. It says, I'll bring you from all different corners of the earth. I will bring you back into the land, right? But then it tells us, very clearly tells us that there's going to be armies that are coming. They're going to invade Israel. And it it names the armies. It names Russia. It names uh, Iran, which is Persia. Iran's going to be there. Turkey's going to be there. Do you know today on the borders of Israel, although about four miles away from the border, we've got Iran, we've got Russia, and we've got Turkey all there on the border. Mark God's word. They will come down and invade Israel. We don't know when they're going to do it, but we know they're going to do it. But it's, it tells us that these are the last days. And those of us that know the Bible, I read this and I'm like, so I'm looking at this like, God, this is like reading the newspaper. You look at the newspaper. It's like, you know, when, when we were talking about it, we we're like, okay, we know that Russia's going to be there. Iran's going to be there. But we were saying, well, Turkey's there. That's weird. How is Turkey going to ever do that? How is Turkey going to be in a, an alliance with Russia? That doesn't make sense. They're, Turkey's actually going to go in there and this doesn't. And then all of a sudden read the paper. Well, guess what? Turkey's in there because God said it and he means it. You can't make this stuff up. This is God's world, and God's doing these things. We don't have to fear. As a church, we should be fearless. The world should be scared. And if they're not, then they're crazy. And when they see the church rising up and they realize that the church, we're not afraid because we know what's taking place because we know the word of God. Another great verse that goes with this, Proverbs 3.25, says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence. Is the Lord your confidence? And will keep your foot from being caught. You might say, well, I might stumble, I might trip. Well, the Lord's going to keep your foot from being caught. And this is the powerful verse in our text, back in our text, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love, God's perfect love, takes fear away. I quote this verse a minimum of once a week, sometimes 40 times a week. Perfect love casts out fear. Because all of us, 
we can deal with fears trying to come in and try to, to get in to, to bother us. And it's like, I, I know it, with me at nighttime, sometimes I'll be sleeping and I'll just wake up, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning, like, what if this happens? And I'm like, oh no, what if that happens? And I've learned because of God's great love for me, it doesn't matter what happens because God's got it. And I've, even those words, I use those words quite often. I just say, God's got it. And I go back to sleep. I said, what if this happens? I'm like, you know what? God's got it. Go back to sleep. And it comes back in my mind. God's got it because God's got it. If you understand, if you and I as believers truly understand the love of God, how great God's love is for us, how much he's, he's crazy about us. Hey, someone once said, if, if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be up on his refrigerator. He loves you so much. And if we can grasp the love of God, if we can, you know, truly understand his love is endless for us. And if we really understand and we believe that, we trust the fact that God loves us, we have nothing to fear. Because even things that come our way that seem like they're going to go south and they're going to go wrong, even those things we can look at and say, well, you know what, God, uh, this has been filtered through your loving hands, so maybe I don't understand how this is going to work for good, but your word tells me all things are working together for good. God, you've got it. It was funny, Friday, I didn't share this with the first service, but Friday we, we were looking at we, the landlord. I've told you the landlord's uh, selling this complex he already sold it to a Christian brother, and it's great. You know, we're working things out with him. It's just, the, the Lord's just really blessed. A great guy. Please pray for him. His name is Kevin. Wonderful guy. But uh, the, the old landlord sent us the thing called an estoppel certificate, right? So we got it like Friday. We got it nine days before Friday. So we, we get this estoppel certificate, and when we get it, it says stuff in there that, that you know, I don't agree with. It's not true, and it's on this, this, this certificate, and I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, if we sign that, that would just cost the church thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. There's no way we're going to sign that. That's ridiculous. So we just push it aside, you know. So it's sitting aside for nine days. And Friday, I brought it up to our administrator, Brenda. And I says, yeah, I said, we're not going to sign that. She goes, no way. She, she said, we ain't going to sign that. So that's right. It says, this is ridiculous. I can't believe they didn't even think we'd sign that. You know, and it's like, it's ridiculous. What, they think we're stupid, you know. So we're like, throw it away. We put it in the file, you know. So I'm just sitting there getting ready to do my my sermon for, for here for Sunday and I'm putting, starting to get it together. I'm thinking, I wonder if we have to sign it. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I forget that. And I go, no, maybe we have to sign that. Maybe it's just weird that they would give that to us. And so I typed in Google, do you have to sign an estoppel certificate? And it basically says, if it's in your lease and you don't sign it within 10 days, it, that means you agree with it 100%. And I'm like, what? <laughs> do you know fear wanted to grip me at that point? This is nine days. We have 10 days. This is a Friday. We have till Saturday to turn it in, sign, and make all corrections that are necessary. And it's legal beagle stuff. You need an attorney. We don't have an attorney because we let our attorney go. That's a whole other story. <laughs> so it's Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock or 3.30. We need an attorney. We don't have an attorney. And we've got to sign this thing. Otherwise, it's going to cost the church, I, without lying, tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm like, who do we know? Who do we, who's an attorney? Who do we go? And we're calling, we get a hold of someone and we know someone that has an attorney that even works with the centers. And we're like, okay, let's just do that. And so, so we got a hold of that person and we're waiting and waiting. We're like, come on, come on. no, your, your attorney's now. He said, well, I'll text it to you. It's like, hello, did you forget? You didn't, you said you'd text this, you know. We, it's, it's pushing four o'clock. 
So finally, he texts her information, this attorney. We talk to the attorney. She says, yeah, you, you know, according to your lease, yeah, it's in there, and you got to sign it, and, but make corrections in here. And she helped us walk through, you know, cross that out, cross that out, cross that out, cross that out, put this, put this, put this, and tell them on there that your attorney will review it Monday, and that's okay. And so we, we did it, got it off, called them up, met with the guy, says, oh, here, here's your certificate. Whew, thank you. <laughs> but when you talk about fear, fear wanted to grip me. Even the fear of, what if I didn't have that thought in my head on the ninth day? When we talk about God showing up at the 11th hour, let me tell you, he showed up at the 11th second. <laughs> and I give him glory because God's got it. It was so, just even watching Brenda, she's there. She was just like cool as ice, and she's like going through it. I'm like, well, you're doing good. But the pressure was there. But when you realize God has everything, it was God that prompted my heart. It was God that prompted my mind. And he cast out fear because perfect love casts out fear. His love is perfect for us. Everything he's doing for us, he's working it together for good. Why? Because he loves us. We're called according to his purpose. Isaiah 50, excuse me, Isaiah 35, 4 says, Say to those who are fear, fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. That might be you today. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Also, Joshua, one of my favorite verses, Joshua 1.9, the Lord speaking to Joshua before the battle of Jericho, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? He's with us. Let's look at these last verses and close, close out with this. Verse 19 in our text says, we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, from God, that he who loves God must love his brother also. If you say you're a Christian, you love God, but you hate your brother, meaning your brother in Christ, another Christian, then John's saying you're a liar because God is love. We love God because he first loved us. It wasn't as if God looked down from heaven and said, wow, these guys love me so much. These guys are so loving. These guys just have so much love for me. I better respond to their love. That's not it at all. God basically looked down from heaven and looks at mankind and says, they've sinned. I love them so much. I'm a righteous God. I have to deal with sin. I'm a right judge. I'm a good judge. Sin needs a penalty, needs a punishment. So I'm going to send my only son. He's going to die, and he's going to take the penalty for your sin, and he's going to take away your sin, and I'll demonstrate my love towards you in that way because I love you so much, and I want fellowship with you. And our response should be, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for taking away my sin. I want a relationship with you. Have you responded to his love? He loves you. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever, and that's you, whosoever would believe shall not perish, but you'll have eternal life. God's knocking on the door of your heart today. And he's knocking on the door. And let me tell you this, he's a gentleman. The handle's on the inside. We have to open up our heart. We have to let him come in. He's going to knock. He's not going to push the door down. He'll respect you. He made you with a free will. He created you with a free will. 
And he's saying, with your free will that I gave you, I didn't create you like a robot. Will you open the door of your heart? Will you let me come live inside of you? Can I demonstrate my love to you? Can I take away your fears? Can I take away your anxiety? Can I take away your torment? Can I be your God? Open that door. Let me in. And if you open the door of your heart, God will come inside of you by his Holy Spirit. And if you repent from your sin, he will cleanse you and wash you. And you can have a relationship with the holy God that loves you because God is love. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.